Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. who is the owner slash one of the podcast hosts of the craze cast and managing editor and writer of the craze with a k magazine and publication digital publication um we got to talk to her about um all the tasks that she has um done and still has to do as the owner and all the other positions that i said that she has to do um she's been a part of the team since 2016 which is kind of when it started And so she's kind of been along for the ride um, since then. And so it's grown and it's going to be continuing to grow. Um, So I'm really happy about this interview. Another part of the K-pop fandom world that you guys can learn about um, from a different perspective. So happy to have her on here. And also make sure to check out the Craze cast. That is the Craze Magazine's podcast that's also on the Believe Podcast Network as well. And hope everybody's doing well. Hopefully you're all staying safe. And I don't have anything else to say for this week. Um, But I I will see you guys next week. We'll have another interview with um, another person who actually happened to write for the craze or happens to write for the craze, but she also writes for a number of other publications that happen to be based in India. So we will have an Indian K-pop fan and writer um, and just person who is involved with K-pop in general um, on the podcast next week. So uh, look forward to that, you guys. And from here, enjoy the episode. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Believe in K-Pop for the 58th episode. I want to say it's the 58th episode. But um, today we have on another lovely guest within the K-Pop community um, who has turned her fandom into actually being very productive um, for a lot of other people in the K-Pop community. And that is Roxy, who is the marketing director, one of the hosts, um, slash managing editor editor slash sort of owner of the craze magazine um i know that was a lot (laughs) roxy um but thank you for joining us today of course yeah um so i actually found out about the craze uh i'd heard about it you know last year around last year but it's existed since as early as 2016 or was it before that um, I came on the team in 2016, and that's about the time. Uh, it was early 2016 that they started getting majority of the team together. Uh, but the official mm. like magazine launch was June 2016. Okay. And how did you hear about um, you know the craze before you came on? It's uh, interesting, actually, because uh, I was fresh out of college uh, when this happened. And mm. I had just gotten into K-pop also like at the end of 2015-ish. So I was looking for something right. where I could be, you know, a part of the community or do some sort of like media thing because that's what I studied. Um, right. So I actually came across uh, a posting about the craze on Twitter. Uh, and it turned out that 
I actually lived very close to the founder. Um, she lives like in the same oh, area nice. as me here. Um, okay. Yeah, but uh, I initially uh, applied as a graphic designer for the print issue. Mm. So that's how I came onto the team in 2016. It was right before the launch of the June issue. Okay. And if you had to say in terms of like the inner workings of what the craze, you know, is doing now, um, are there any large differences between how you guys run now compared to how it was kind of back then? I know obviously that was when it was first starting, but um, what are the major differences um, or similarities that you see between, you know, the craze when it first started and now? Yeah. So, I mean, it's pretty obvious that, you know, the landscape shifts toward digital for the most part. Mm -hmm. Um, so when the craze started, it was all focused on being a monthly print issue, but that's not necessarily sustainable because, you know, as much as it's nice to have a print magazine issue, it's not necessarily, uh, profitable. Right. So Mm -hmm. what the craze has done is sort of try to shift, shift gears into being more focused on digital and to sort of have a higher presence in that sense. So um, I wonder, you know, with the print issues that you guys still do um, put out, I definitely have one of them. Um, we actually did uh, with Tamar Herman a little deep dive into the comeback, the trials and tribulations of the comeback um, from the uh, fourth quarter issue, um, I believe it was, um, of 2019. And uh, I really liked the velvety like feel that the front cover and the back cover have. Um, so that's, I feel like one reason why it's really cool to have that. And it's, I mean, a magazine is just really nice to have in your hands. It's like a book, like, but I understand, you know, people, you know, don't necessarily pick up and read magazines like that anymore. Um, why do you think it's still important, though, to have, you know, you know, your quarterly issues that are coming out that can be purchased um, either digitally or print-wise, but why why is it important to have, like, a physical magazine um, available to people? Yeah, so uh, in in college, I actually was, like, a media major, so I did a lot of studying of media. And a lot of these different outlets of media, they never truly disappear. They just sort of shift focus, right? So, like, mm-hmm. if you say the early days of radio, that was the only way people got information, and then television came along. But radio never died. It's not something that just goes away. It's just a different medium. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think something that's kind of special about the print issue, at least for the craze, is that um, our creative director, who is also the founder, she places a lot of emphasis on like high quality paper, um, which is, okay. yeah, that's not something you see with a lot of magazines, you know? Like mm-hmm. if you pick up a magazine like at the store, the paper is very thin and shreds very easily. You know, it's super yeah. easy to rip rip something out of it. Um, she wanted quality to be a main focus here. So like all of our pages, I have one with me right now, but they ha- they are stronger. And the point is that, you know, it sort of showcases the art even better um, color wise and stuff. And it just feels a lot nicer to have, you know, like, a physical piece of history, right? So if you're doing like a quarterly issue, you talk about some of the stuff that's happened in that time. So you have a piece of that mm-hmm. history. So like right. we we uh, put in a lot of events that happen. 
So it's like, yeah. you could look back on this and be like, Hey, I remember in 2019 when this group was here and you have it, right. you know, with you. Right. Yeah. I, I really like that. Um, and, and like I said before, that velvety, velvety kind of texture, it's not like a glossy, like look how a lot of magazines have. It's like the velvety kind of texture that's on the outside that I really enjoy. Um, and you mentioned the artwork and, you know, design kind of thing. Um, I know back in Eric, from what I can tell, um, back in 2016, there was a, a cat that was like the rep representative almost of like crazed things. Um, and it's still on the Patreon. Um, I know of the different levels of Patreon, but it seemed like it was very uh, present back towards when, um, the craze first started. Um, was there any reason behind having the cat as like the representative of, uh, you know, besides the huge K why the cat was, you know, a choice to throw in there? You know, that's a, actually an interesting story. Um, so the mascot's name is Harangi, which is tiger in Harangi. Korean. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, and the way that it came about was actually very spontaneous. It was like we had a group chat going on and people were like, hey, we should have a mascot. And everybody was like, oh, what would be really cool to have as a mascot? And somebody said, let's have a tiger. Um, <laughs> and Connie was really big on the idea. Connie's the, the founder. She was like, oh, that'd be really cute. So we could have the art team sort of make like a cute little tiger. Um, and the, I don't really know how the name came up. It just sort of did. Um, That's so cute. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we still like to use him on some of our, our art and stuff, but um, he's just like a little mascot to have around. Ah, I see. I see. I see. Okay. Oh, okay. That makes sense. And um, I guess speaking of the the designs that are, you know, aside from Harangi that are on the uh, website, um, I really think the design, like the the character for first of all, when you go into the website and you see like, let's meet the team sort of thing. Like, I think the the core or actually dating before like maybe June of 2019, I believe mostly everybody was um or animated if you want to call it that um and a lot of the stuff that was inside the magazines uh and the covers and things like that were definitely like animated um and or i guess drawn or paint or designed if you will um rather than like a picture if of you know like the current issue right now so um why did you guys also feel that it was necessary to have like because that I think that that animation really added another touch to it that wasn't just like oh it's like a photo it's like this was like there was work put into it there's a little character into it you know um, why did you guys feel it was important back then and you know maybe even again to include um, actual animations of you know whatever groups or whatever you were talking about um, on the cover within the uh, digital issues or in print issues yeah so I actually really loved like when I came on the team, they were like, hey, here's the art team. Send them a selfie and they'll make you like a little chibi of yourself, right? Oh, a chibi. Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was really cute. I think it's a really cute idea. Um, the only reason that it doesn't happen now is based on resources, really. But it sort of added a more like personal perspective on the whole thing because we had a team that would, you know, focus on putting their art um, on the cover and stuff to use instead of just pictures and it sort of added a whole like personality to it almost um i really love that when we did have it it was pretty great mm. Mm. and i know you were saying that you know you guys are I mean, you're out of a an animator right now or the animators taking a break whatever that is is that something that you guys are thinking about bringing back you know if there is somebody that would be out there to you know be dedicated to it oh of course we would love that it's not something that you know 
we would want to go without, but it's just, you know, how it happened so far. Right. Right. Okay. Um, So one of the things that I really admire about you in the time that we've sort of, I guess, virtually known each other is that you're very um, consistent and you're very like for something that, you know, um, you guys aren't you're not paid. No one is necessarily paid for, you know, the the work that they do. Um, This is all seemingly sort of a hobby or something that is going to lead to something that can hopefully be paid. Um, And maybe in some case, you know, at a certain point, I know that, you know, this might be a thing where, you know, some of the writers and, you know, staff might be able to be paid at some point. But at the moment, from what I understand, it's it's not. It's a hobby-based thing um, or volunteer-based thing. Um, but that's the one of the reasons why I admire you so much is because that you, you've, despite that um, and all of the workload that I know you've, you know, or I can tell that comes with it, um, you're still so dedicated and so consistent with everything that comes out of it. Um, why has the craze you know instilled that sort of dedication in to you um and it's you know your i guess um willingness to make sure that it goes forward as much as possible um even if you know you might not get that sort of return yeah i get what you mean um i think part of it is just a personality trait right like i just have mm. a, sort of a, a workhorse kind of personality but i also mm. think that the time that i spent with the craze all the people that you know, put their time into this are very genuine and have a, like mm-hmm. a very deep love for K-pop and the How You Wave. So anything that we put out, none of it is fake. You know what I mean? Like everybody's very invested in it. And mm-hmm. I think that's sort of a hard thing to find sometimes because, you know, mm-hmm. when money comes in as a factor, some people, you know, will be less emotionally dedicated, if you will. Um, Hmm. I mean, ultimately, I would want to be able to have, you know, some sort of monetary gain from it just to be able to pay back the people that have given their time. I see. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't know. I just found the craze to be it's a very genuine project as in like, yeah, where Connie was coming from when she brought this up was from a love of the community and what Mm. K-pop was. Um, And I think that is very pure and that we kind of need more of that in media as well. Hmm. Okay. So you're saying, so in media, would you, would you say that it needs to be more present in like, like K-pop media, whether it's like all K-pop soon sort of thing, or are you saying in all types of media in regards to pop culture? I think it would be true for a lot of media. I mean, I'm not saying that people who work at like major outlets, do not have that drive because some of them do. Um, but sometimes they, they, just, they just throw people on stuff to be like, you need to cover this. And I remember this specifically for like when uh, Super M was touring in the United States, there was like mm-hmm. a sports blogger that went to the concert and covered it. And he was really like critical and not. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> the LA times guy. right? Yeah. Yeah. I remember that. Yeah. That was that was sad. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I see what you mean. And I know that, um, you know, even with the new podcast that you guys have out, the Craze Cast, um, that's also on the Believe Podcast Network, um, it's you guys want to make sure that w- with what you're talking about, um, 
on there. It's it's making sure that it's truthful um, or sort of educated information. And because you guys are NOJ and um, Amber, you know, have been 10 plus year K-pop fans. I know you've been around since 2015. Um you guys have a wealth of perspective um, to uh, refer to when talking about certain topics. And so, you know, maybe a news article like the LA Times that's just new to it, or, you know, even from some of the more um, well um, established, I guess, publications in the K pop space, like may have, or I know there's a lot of misreporting that goes on. And I know that with this new craze podcast, that you guys want to um, make sure that that's not the case. Um, coming from your end if that if i'm explaining that correctly no yeah for sure because i mean like if you think i don't necessarily want to call out anything specifically sure yeah but there are situations where there's more focus on like this just sort of comes with the territory right more focus on getting you know clicks to get people to your Mm -hmm. website so you Mm -hmm. get headlines that are kind of hyperbolic Mm -hmm. so they're less focused on sort of talking about what's going on or analyzing what's going on and more about driving traffic to the website. And while it makes sense to do that, you know, because, you know, people need to get paid. That's the thing. It makes sense. But it's also, it loses a sense of being genuine when you have to do that for Mm -hmm. most things. Okay. Now I wonder, you know, obviously clicks, you know, the, or making those hyperbolic headlines gets the clicks. Um, no matter who you're kind of talking about, maybe sometimes in the K-pop space, but um, I wonder who is the craze's audience? Um, And I guess another layer to that question is, you know, a lot of publications sort of still use BTS to, you know, get clicks, um, no matter, you know, which um, outlet it's coming from, um, you know, or you could use Super M, whatever it is. But I wonder if on the craze's website, if a BTS article still out, ways you know y'all's recent you know review of Changmin's like uh chocolate um album that kind of thing um what is the crazed audience like in that respect like are do you see it's more second gen do you see it's more like you know one fandom or more than the other and also pulling in like you know the drama and lifestyle aspects that you guys write about as well what do you see um as how would you describe the craziest audience in that way very interesting that you bring that up, actually, because, um, you know, a lot of our team um, are, you know, long-term BTS fans. So, we, mm-hmm. you know, pretty often write about BTS. Um, mm-hmm. But their fan base is not necessarily as, I don't want to say loyal, more like they're not necessarily as active as some other fan bases. So I feel like okay. our our main audience is, you know, people that are, pretty deep into k-pop in general or i see that are you know very dedicated to their groups that are not necessarily getting as much traction although Mm. that seems a little bit excessive in that statement because like one of our best uh fandoms that always delivers on clicks or you know gaining attention is um got seven's fan base ah okay yeah so they're you know got seven's pretty big internationally in general um, right. So it's, you know, stuff like that. Um, but I would say our fan base is mostly for people that are, you know, already involved sort of in how you wave. Um, mm-hmm. Not necessarily like the entire, because, you know, like people that write about BTS, they're in like the major like pop outlets. 
Sure. Yeah. Right. So it's more for people that are already sort of in the in the fandoms. And now a special break for our sponsors. The level of connection you feel in your home dramatically influences your experiences there. Get the tools to control that connection in your communities with the first multifamily platform that unifies management and resident experiences to create smart apartments. Talk to a RealPage consultant today to see how your properties can meet the future of multifamily with the smart building suite. Why do you think God's Heaven or Agassiz, you know, travel to the craze a lot? And also, um, on that note, um, I, I guess answer that question first and then I'll come back to my next question. I think that Agassiz are extremely loyal to GOT7 and they're very mm -hmm. excited for any outlet to talk about GOT7. So like if they see anything, they jump on it. And I honestly think it's, it's very cute. It's very, <laughs> it's beautiful <laughs> the way that they care so much about GOT7 getting, um, getting traction for anything. Mm. I, I feel like, um, you know, obviously with the die or D-Y-E, however you want to call it, um, that that article that you guys come out with um, um, in regards to that comeback will probably get a lot of, you know, traction. And I remember you guys saying that um, in January when um, Seventeen um, was touring around, there was a particular article that um, someone wrote on the team that uh, got a lot of traction um, with Carrots. For those one-off kind of articles that just kind of get spread around and you're like, oh, wow, this is doing better than I expected or much better than other articles that have even been featured for the month sort of thing, why do you think those, you know, or how, how do those sort of one-offs come about? Is it, you know, a random fan account, large fan account, like tweeting it out, or how do you think that's kind of spread? So I do think a factor of it is like a large, you know, group or a large you know, Twitter account, um, spreading it out. But I also think that like the writer behind it is very genuine. So with the 17 mm -hmm. article that you're talking about, um, this writer, she is such a huge fan of 17. She just loves them to pieces uh. mm. and she goes pretty in depth about why 17 had such an impact on her. Um, and mm. I think it's that that genuineness within her that, you know, translates through her writing. And that's why people sort of pick it up, too. And now so looking through like if you if for people listening, if you type in the craze magazine um, with a K um, dot com on, you know, your browser um, and you click the little three bars on the side and you click latest updates, you'll see all the latest, you know, articles that have been coming out. Um, there are a number of different sort of series that you guys have going on, like history of K-pop, um, get to know, like Kong, Kong Daniel sort of thing. Um, how do you choose, like, you know, who's going to be the, you know, artist highlight or get to know? Who's going to be the history of K-pop for the, the month? Um, who's going to be, um, you know, what are we going to feature on, like, the uh, lifestyle sections of the of the website sort of thing. So the great part about that is that we leave a lot of, you know, creative option to our writers. So the mm -hmm. writers are the ones that, you know, make the choices on who they're going to cover. Uh, specifically for history of K-pop, I'm actually the one that writes that. Um, I like to cover, okay. yeah. I like to cover groups that, you know, um, either have recently had a comeback or have a very, you know, rich history uh, that goes along with them. So, mm -hmm. You know, it's really just up to the writer's discretion for the most point. 
in terms of like you know you said that you write sometimes obviously you do a lot of other things with the chant or with the with the craze how much time are you spending on the craze a week I know that you've told me that you you kind of block out your entire Sunday for that but um in in total like maybe I'm sure you might spend an hour here or there or a few minutes here or there outside of that Sunday how much time are you spending on the craze um throughout your week probably depends on the week but I would probably peg it around 10 to 15 hours a week okay and and is it really you're really blocking out the entire Sunday normally for for it right uh, especially nowadays, yeah, since that's like the majority of the time I have to edit the podcast specifically. One of the other aspects that I see that's available on um, the website is um, com- guest posts or guest community posts, sort of, if you want to call it that. What's the benefit that you found in you know having that be a, an opportunity for, um, I guess, readers of the craze? Yeah, so guest posts are great if you are looking to do something one-off. Like I remember we had a really good guest post of somebody that reviewed a Sunmi's, was it mini album? It was one of her releases, Mm. but it's something that's really good. If you like, you don't want to necessarily have to dedicate a lot of time constantly to something, but if you have like a strong feeling about a release or something related to the K-pop world, um, you could come pitch your idea Um, And we, you know, we take it in, we edit it and make sure that it's all good to go. And then, you know, Mm. when it's great and ready to be published, you also have that as an option for your portfolio. So if you're a writer. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. If you're a writer, you can say, you know, I've had this published before. um, And there's not necessarily um, any specific requirements. You just have to be like, hey, I have this idea. Uh, Here's an example of what I want to say. And then, you know. You don't necessarily have to have any background in what you're doing. Um, it reminds me a lot of the like the BuzzFeed community posts that people are kind of allowed to do. Um, one thing that has been apparent um, since you know my aware, or me being aware of uh, the craze, is that um, you guys have some good relationships with um, particular rookie or formerly rookie groups. They're not rookie anymore, um, but one in particular is Mont, um, M-O-N-T for people listening. Um, how did that, you know, relationship uh, foster itself into being something where you guys can kind of call upon them or they can call upon you to um, feature each other sort of thing? That's actually actually pretty interesting. Um, with Mont, so uh, the members of Mont took part in Mix 9 when that was a thing. Um, Mm -hmm. and then became a, you know, a group under Fly Music Entertainment. And um, I had my team member that lives in South Korea right now, reach out to them and be like, hey, we want to, you know, like feature you guys, sort of help you get some exposure, that kind of thing. Um, And they've just been very open about it. So Mont likes to tour in the United States as well. Um, Why do you think that is? I think... I feel like there's so much like concentrated talent in the United States or not in the United States in South Korea um, Mm -hmm. that sometimes it's hard to get the recognition that some groups should there because they have to go against so much. So I think that Mont had like an appeal that went further than just that in a sense. So like they're super popular in like, Europe and like uh, South America and stuff, but they're very open. Um, they always have been ever since we contacted them. They like, they're very grateful um, 
to be able to have an outlet to, you know, work with us and things. And that's not necessarily something that you find in a lot of groups or in a lot of agencies that have bigger contacts, really. So Mm. they're very flexible, I guess is what I would say. And that they're like, hey, if we come over, we're like, hey, we have this idea. What do you think about that? They're like, yeah, let's do it. You know, let's collaborate. They're very, um, I don't know what a good word for it is. (laughs) They're just willing to work with you. And I think that enthusiasm that they have is very genuine too, because what they do as a group that comes from such a small company, they have a harder time sort of getting into the spotlight. So the fact that they're so genuine and like open to working with anybody, I think is, is what really makes them special. What would be a, um, you know, if, if let's say an SM, JYP, sort of YG, big hit, you know, Pletus or whoever, Cube, if they were listening to this podcast and, you know, you guys came to them and said like, hey, like we want to, you know, interview Pentagon about, you know, Dr. Bebe or like whatever, um, what would be the benefit for them to interview with the craze? Do you think above other publications or alongside the other publications that they are, um, you know, interviewing with? Um, you know, during whatever promotional time. I think with the craze, one of our main focuses is not like censoring artists. So whatever the artists are willing to tell us is something that we would want to translate to other people. So, you know, if you want to feel comfortable talking about any sort of issues that you have, there's nothing that we would want to sort of suppress from them. We kind of want to give them like an open outlet to speak to their fans in any way that they want to watching y'all's social media um the twitter has a mix of you know tweeting out y'all's articles tweeting out just news tweeting um also birthdays now the instagram has you guys tweeting out or not tweeting out sorry posting um mostly just like birthdays um it's so-and-so's birthday today it's and you'll post like three photos of that person um why do you choose to do those formats um or i guess content on those particular platforms Instagram, yeah, Instagram is a little bit hard in that way. Like if you put, you know, website links in the caption, they don't really take, right? Right, exactly. Yeah, that's what makes it more difficult. Um, Right now, we're Mm -hmm. definitely trying to expand Instagram to like include more than that. Um, But, you know, our team is pretty busy. So, you know, we have a certain hierarchy of what we need to focus on. But I think that's the reason for the main difference is that like if you – you know, post the link in your caption, like nobody can click on it and go straight to it. So it sort of takes away the whole point of it. Okay. That, I mean, yeah, that, that totally, I think one thing I've noticed that like billboard or E does like when they post something, they're like, Oh, like click the link in our bio for like, um, you know, information on it. And when you click it, it comes up as like a full, like, like they might have their most 10 recent articles in there. So like, you kind of have to like, let's say if they posted it, five hours ago and they probably posted like two more articles since then you'd have to like click how does that how do I say it like you'd have to click in or you'd have to look specifically for that article it's not like their website it's like a have you heard of Linktree yeah yeah I know what you're talking about yeah yeah like it's like that where you can you have to like kind of find it sort of thing um but um, I'm not sure how effective that stuff is, but, um, and then I guess you guys also have a YouTube channel, um, and the YouTube channel mostly features, um, you know, 
comeback roundups. Also uh, features um, exclusive interviews. You guys did do an interview with VAV um, along with Mont. And um, what else? You guys have a couple of sort of like uh, cameos from Jay, um, I'm seeing now. Um, and uh, yeah, so what do you plan on doing more with the YouTube? Um, or, or is it is that a main focus for you guys um, in terms of like, you know, what you're putting out on there? I think going forward, it will be, especially, you know, with our new podcast. Um, we sort of want to present a more like human side to the people that work with the craze because so far mm. it's been pretty anonymous, right? So mm -hmm. our focus, especially with the podcast, is sort of show at least with the three of us as main hosts that like, you know, we're the same as everybody that listens, right? We're all fans. Yeah. We're all like very passionate about these things. So I think, you know, as time goes on, our YouTube is going to also evolve into that. So I'm sure you guys also, um, you know, or your job is to also, um, you know, in making the craze better, you have to understand what your competitors are doing, whether it's, you know, um, you know, outside of the K-pop acts themselves. It's like, what are other content creators from a an unofficial standpoint as like a fan? What are they putting out there? So whether it's YouTubers, whether it's, um, other podcasters or other um, publications out there um, what you have to or you have to keep track of them so I wonder what do you think is lacking in the k-pop space or how you wave space now um, that you think could be capitalized on um, from the craziest perspective and I know that's probably like giving something away uh, if you do feel like there's something lacking but um, I guess in general what do you think is lacking in the the content space and do you think there's there might be too much content? That's a very interesting question, actually. Um, I would say, at least from the news perspective, I feel like what's lacking the most there is sort of more in-depth discussion of what's going on. So a lot of the major news sites really, when they post, um, they just post like, hey, this thing happened. There it is. Um, mm. Compared to like our reviews that go more in-depth to the music portion and, you know, all of that stuff. Um, content creators, I feel like in a way there's like an oversaturation of like reaction videos. Mm, like mm -hmm. I'll go on YouTube and be recommended like 16 different reaction videos. Like how am I supposed to pick which one I want to watch? Right. Right. If you're not yeah. like invested in the person that's making the reaction, it seems like there's way too much of it going on. So you don't really necessarily know what's worth turning to and what's not because sometimes it's really not worth it. I like, because, you know, K-pop has such like in-depth concepts for the stuff that they make. Sure. Um, yeah. And a lot of K-pop groups create their own universes as well. So right, yeah. you have these, you know, like very long-standing stories that tie together. Um, mm. And I feel like a lot of, you know, immediate content creators or people that do only reactions don't necessarily focus on that aspect they might touch mm. on it but they don't necessarily make that the priority and i think shining more light on like the artistic perspective of what these groups are doing is pretty important mm, yeah i know there's one there's one channel i'm thinking of um that does kind of uh theory breakdowns i know there's one bts channel um uh, with Roseanne or Exceleste. Um, but then there's one channel that does it for a number of groups. Um, but it's not like when I think of Exceleste, she's, she's very, she's 
all in the army sort of thing and very bts oriented whereas the other ones are kind of like the the one channel i'm thinking of i wish i could remember it um it, they kind of lightly cover the theories um but they do go into it enough where you could have at least a a general understanding of what's going on but definitely not to the degree of like detailedness i think that'd be that would be something to um that would be really cool for you know more people to go into and be more into um and then um lastly with the craze um what is the most rewarding a part of this you know um job slash hobby for you um what do you enjoy the most hmm. well I mean, I really love the how you wave. So just being able to write about it, um, you know, is very uh, cathartic for me, I would say. But anytime that I get, you know, feedback on the stuff that I've done, like in November, um, I wrote about uh, Monster X losing Wanho and, mm. you know, the reaction that the fandom had and why it was, you know, important what they were doing. And I got messages from people that were like, thank you so much for talking about like the importance of this. It's not something that people have talked about before. You know, it was just really rewarding to have that sort of validation of like, mm. okay, I've presented something that people haven't done before and it's being appreciated by that fandom. And it's genuine because, you know, I care about the things that I write about. Um, and I think... The most rewarding thing about it is just knowing that I'm putting that out there, whether or not it gains traction. It's just like, here's a person, here are people that are talking about things they're passionate about. So they don't necessarily have a different agenda, but they care about how these things go. And that's something I feel like media has been lacking recently, just in general. Mm -hmm. Um media has shifted a lot since you know tv first became a thing um mm -hmm. a lot of things have skewed agendas these days and i feel yeah. like it comes from a very pure place when it's you know fans that are part of this action that are part of the whole movement that are talking about what they're talking about hmm I think maybe that's something that, you know, helps, like you, you mentioned, if there was some sort of monetary thing that went into it, that could, um, not that it would, but, you know, that could be a thing, you know, like you said, like people might lose interest um, and might not think of it as being as genuine, but that, you know, obviously compensating people for their time is, you know, sometimes necessary. But I think, um, I think that might be one of the reasons why, you know, that you guys might be able to stay, might be able to stay, you know, as pure as you describe it um as you guys have so um i definitely think this is a, a very um it's very admirable again like i said that you you know you are de so dedicated to this um i wish i had these personality qualities <laughs> um in myself um but thank you so much roxy for taking the time out to um speak with me and um do you have anything that you want to promote or just if you want to promote the craze in general including the craze cast um you can do that now of course. So um, the Craze online, uh, our website, we post daily about different things. We have different columns that focus on different areas. We do, you know, comebacks, fashion and beauty, uh, culture mm. studies, food, anything about, you know, the Korean culture. But the Craze cast also focuses on personal experiences of me and my two co-hosts, Jay and Amber, we will talk about, you know, stuff that we publish with the craze, but we also share um, some of our personal journeys 
uh, within the community, stuff like that. And our main focus also is to sort of highlight, you know, rookie groups that don't necessarily get as much attention. So I think that's, right. you know, something that we're we're pretty dedicated on. Well, yes, guys, definitely make sure to go check out the Craze Cast. Like I said, it is um, also a part of the Believe Podcast Network. Um, so definitely support you know other podcasts on this network but thank you again roxy for being a guest um and you guys can always reach me at e-m-i-h-a-y-d-e-l for suggested topics as well as um if you want to be a part of the discord chat um so yeah thank you guys for listening and we will see y'all next week thank you for listening to believe You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.